Welcome to the Jack Duff Lee Show, a weekly podcast exploring investing, real estate, the markets, law, technology, and everything in between. Here's your host, Jack Duff Lee. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Jack Duff Lee Show on this lovely Monday afternoon here on June 8th of 2020. A couple housekeeping matters before we get started. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed on iTunes, please do that and definitely leave a review if you are confident in the show's quality. It'll definitely help uh, the show to reach new audiences and I definitely would be very appreciative. And also be sure to sign up for my email updates by heading over to jackduffley.com so you don't miss any new updates there. I have a few things in the works right now including a real estate book that I'll be publishing in the coming months, so I wouldn't want you to miss out on that. And again, that's through my website at jackduffley.com, assuming you're not already signed up as is, of course. Now today I wanted to talk about a unfortunately very relevant problem, that is the Federal Reserve and its massive quantitative easing program and what that really means for the future of the U.S. economy and technically the greater world economy as well, given the U.S.'s major role that it plays. Inflation is not a good thing. Inflation is where the general price of everything rises. And this can be due to a variety of factors, but one of the most common ways is by printing new money. And not every currency can be easily printed. However, most modern currencies nowadays, including the U.S. dollar, is what we call a fiat currency. A fiat currency, fiat really refers to the fact that it's fake, and the value that it has is only from us saying that it has value. It doesn't have intrinsic value built in like some other things, like uh, raw materials have intrinsic value because they can be turned into other things. Paper cash is a fiat currency. It can't be turned into other things. I Theoretically, you could use it to write on because it's paper, but that's such a low value. It really doesn't have any intrinsic value. And really, the paper that is used for dollar bills is not very good for writing on anyways, and that's on purpose. So inflation is not a good thing because it makes things more expensive for everyone. That's across the board. But it often hurts the lowest income earners the most because whereas a rich person might Maybe their income doesn't rise with inflation, but the cost of living does. But because they have a lot of money, they, they, can, they can swallow it, basically. Whereas a lower income earner may not have their wage rise as quickly as inflation. And typically where inflation hurts the most is for the cheapest goods on the market, like food and, and basic services. These things get more expensive during inflationary times, just as everything else does. And if your wages don't rise quick enough with inflation, all of a sudden your cost of living is much higher compared to your actual earnings. And that's a problem, especially for people who are in poverty and maybe you're already struggling a lot just to get by. Now everything's becoming more expensive and you have general price instability because things are becoming more expensive all the time. And that's no good because we don't want to live in a country, or really anywhere, where prices just artificially increase rapidly. Maybe a little bit, but we want prices to increase not just because there's more money in circulation, but we want it because that there, there's actual value being produced. And that's generally how any economy grows. It doesn't grow based on price growth, because if that was the case, then we'd be failing because the value that's been created over the entire history of humanity, really, has created things more cheaply as time goes on. So if you take 
the first car, for example, way back in the 1800s, or whenever the first motorized car was made, that car was probably very expensive at the time. But if you were to buy something with the same power now, uh, you know, a few horsepower car like from the 1800s, uh, when you get past, you know, museum value and that sort of stuff. But if you were just to buy a car, if Ford or Toyota went and produced a car that had the same stats as a car from the 1800s, it would be laughable to assume that it would be the same price as it was back in the 1800s adjusted for inflation. Because, really put another way, the same $10,000 that you would use to buy a car now can get you a much more powerful car than way back in the 1800s if you adjusted the salary for inflation. So the 10000 bucks in today's term can get you much more when it comes to quality and really anything. Because technology is a big field where we've seen rapid advancement over the last few years. And that's not because of price growth through inflation. The exact opposite has happened. Because we've created value, it's allowed those savings to be passed on to consumers. And even though prices don't rise for the goods, the exact opposite happens. Prices actually decrease, and that's a good thing because now better things are cheaper than they were before. And then more people can afford them, and the whole world sings kumbaya, and we like that. So the goal, it's very odd in some ways that people see deflation as a bad thing. Rapid deflation, just like rapid inflation, is definitely a bad thing because you get a lot of price instability and that can cause its own problems, mainly when it comes to running businesses and paying wages and that sort of stuff. You don't want massive price swings in either direction caused by artificial changes to the money supply. That That's obviously dangerous. But people have this weird aversion to slight deflation because we're so used to inflation. We like seeing the dollar value of something go up, even though it's not necessarily any more valuable than before. And I think there is no greater example of this than the current stock market. Because the stock market has basically reached its pre-crash levels. So before the COVID-19 coronavirus crash that was caused end of February, early March, and through this spring, before that, the market was at all-time highs. And we've basically reached those all-time highs again, despite the economy being in drastically, objectively, a worse position than it was three months ago. The stock market generally is the future outlook of the economy, or not really the economy, but of all of the companies that make up the stock market, which is a lot of the economy. So if future outlook's good, then the stock market would generally be performing better. So future outlook would generally be good if we expected a lot of growth or if uh, companies were producing new things, if people were spending and were producing new things as they earned their wages. That That's all, all signs of a healthy economy. But instead, what we have now is a Fed-driven rise in the market because there is no possible way that the future outlook is better or as good as it was three months ago. Because three months ago, we didn't have millions and millions and millions of people that are newly unemployed because of this crash. We didn't have almost half of retailers not paying their rent. We didn't have all of these things. We didn't have these massive deficits as well. Or we did have massive deficits, just not quite to the level that we have now. Everything can confidently be said to be worse. Yet, the stock market's at the same as it was just a few months ago. It doesn't make any sense unless you assume that inflation 
has driven this rise, or at least some sort of Fed-produced or government-produced inflation. And it can do that in two ways. One of them is by printing money, as I'll get to in greater detail, but another is by spending money by borrowing it, and then using money printing to pay for that debt. But again, I'll get to that. So what the federal government has done with the stimulus program and various lending programs is that they've pulled from our future production by taking out debt and issuing municipal bonds and all that stuff and have issued this massive stimulus package to the economy. But that's technically artificial. Not saying it's not necessary if we're trying to keep people afloat, but ultimately it's being pulled from the future. We're not using it with money that we have now. The government's already leveraged out of its ears and has been for decades now because the government likes to spend and it's very hard to cut spending. But that's a, that's a story for a different podcast. So you have the government taking all of this money from the future and throwing it onto us now to try and prop up things. So you see that in the short term. We, see a bit, we saw a big rise in spending immediately after the first wave of stimulus checks were issued because people had more money in their pockets. But they hadn't created any actual value in getting that money. The money was simply pulled from the future, basically, and thrown on everyone so we can spend it now. So it was totally artificial. Now, that's not a problem right then. The problem is what happens later. How do you actually pay back, pay back this debt? Where some politicians would argue that we would never have to pay it back, the, point, the fact of the matter is many people own the debt of the U.S., and the only reason we can keep taking on new debt is because they expect to be paid by it. No one would issue us no one would buy our bonds, buy the U.S. bonds, if they knew they weren't going to get paid back. The whole point is they keep getting paid back. Well, some politicians argue that you could just print away the debt. You print money to pay for the debt by purchasing the bonds through the Fed. That's a problem for a very major reason, and it's the one we just already discussed. That's inflation. So you have this big pile of debt, and what the Fed's been doing, its balance sheet has exploded over the past couple months. Compared to a $4 trillion balance sheet back in February, we're now over $7 trillion, hands down, a record for the United States Federal Reserve. That's what we're at right now, and it's going up. It's literally gone vertical compared to the entire history of its balance sheet. We've had, really, we had never gone over a trillion prior to the 2008 financial crisis, and it steadily rose from there, went up and down a little bit between now and about 2009. But since the last few months, it's skyrocketed. Quantitative easing is where the Fed will try to print a bunch of money, keep buying all of these assets, or we can call them assets in quotes, but... Usually it's just U.S. Treasury bonds, but the Fed has started buying bonds throughout the market, including corporate bonds and junk bonds that no other investor would want to buy at the current price that they're at, but the Fed will. So the Fed is artificially propping up prices by printing money, but they're not propping up the value of those bonds. They're propping up the price by printing money. They have all this unlimited money that they can print, and they're causing inflation. And that's why we've seen this rapid rally in the market. It's not really a rally, it's just more faith in the Fed. The Fed has produced so much liquidity in the market that it's artificially propped it up. Now, some people would stop there and say, that's a great thing. Why would we not want the market to go up? I would counter with a few questions. The first one is, why haven't we always just done this? Why not just print unlimited money? If this is a good thing, 
why haven't we just been printing, building the balance sheet up to seven trillion as soon as the Fed first existed? This was a good thing. We'd be doing it all the time at an exponentially rising rate, but we haven't, and that's because there's a real reason why we shouldn't. The problem that the Fed finds itself in right now is what's going to happen when it unwinds this balance sheet. It's bought all of these assets, some of them much worse than what they're currently priced at. What's it going to do with those? It eventually, it can't just hold on to them forever without bearing the cost in some way. Well, it could, it could hold on to these bonds. It would have to pay them out, and then the U.S. economy would just take a loss on it, basically, since it would be, it would be paid for with our inflation in prices, because they'd be printing more money to pay for this loss. That's no good. The other alternative is to sell these bonds back and whatever assets they end up buying, whether they're supposed to be buying them or not, because really they're only supposed to be buying municipal debt, but they are they have somehow extra-legally expanded their balance sheet to include non-treasury bonds, which is technically illegal, but the government has ignored it despite knowing that the Fed is doing this, which is cause for concern. So it, ha it would have to unwind this balance sheet at some point, but then what would happen? You'd get the exact opposite. You'd get rapid artificial deflation because you'd be taking money out of the economy. So it's the best illustration of the adage, what goes up must come down. When you're just printing money and using quantitative easing, how do you unwind it? The only way to unwind it is to take a loss after you create a fake gain because you've just created an, a gain based on inflation, not any new value being produced. So when you go and sell those bonds back, you lose all that value, or I shouldn't say value, you lose all that price growth that you artificially created. So it just goes back to zero, if not worse, depending on what they actually bought. So that's where the big risk is in this massive quantitative easing, inflation-driven rise we've had in the stock market and other markets as well. We're not only spending money now that we don't have by pulling astronomical amounts of debt at the federal level, we're then monetizing that debt by having the Fed buy it and print money to pay for it. And this extra liquidity that the Fed provides makes investors confident that they can hold on to their investments, they won't sell out, or they'll, they know that they'll have someone who can buy their bonds or whatever assets at a very inflated price than what it actually is. So the Fed's kind of stuck. The more the Fed keeps doing this and keeps ramping up printing and buying bonds that it should or should not buy, it's not creating any value. It's just printing money to create price growth. Price growth which is not produced. Price growth which hasn't produced anything positive in productivity or any sort of real value. It's all artificial inflation which is not value. Inflation is not value. If there's a central lesson to this episode, it's that inflation is not value. Inflation is is a way is an artificial way to make prices look like they're going up like we're actually growing when really all that's growing is the money supply, not the actual productive value of the population, what the what the population is producing. After all, GDP is projected to plummet this year. It already has gone down quite a bit in the past few months because production has stopped in many ways. There are a lot of industries that haven't been able to do anything for months because of quarantines and other issues. So 
No, if anything, we've had a loss of value, yet prices have continued to rise, which doesn't make any sense beyond tying it to this Fed-induced inflation. So the Fed is in a very tough place, and the more it prints, the harder that place is becoming to live in because you're going to have more investors who get themselves in the market as they see price growth, not realizing that nothing fundamentally has changed other than the money supply has grown and the Fed has grown its balance sheet. And they think, well, stocks only go up. And maybe they're right. Maybe they're right that if they buy stocks now and the Fed keeps printing, they'll at least get to ride the inflation up. But the key is price growth, prices will rise everywhere else too. The Fed does keep the CPI, which measures the basket of goods that the average consumer buys. But really, the CPI itself is very flawed because it... Remember that example I mentioned about buying a car for $10,000 in the 1800s versus buying a car for $10,000 now? That $10,000 goes much further to buy a much safer, faster, more affordable car than it did back in, 18, in the 1800s. And that's because through the human ingenuity that we have, we've produced better cars by creating new value, creating new intellectual property, creating new things based on ideas, that creates value. That's what drives an economy, that's what actually drives an economy forward. Inflation just drives prices up, but not any value. Your standard of living is not going to be any better when things become inflated. If it actually becomes worse in many ways. If you look at the worst example, which is where the Fed is starting to head, I'm not sure how far away it is, but that's hyperinflation like Weimar Germany, Zimbabwe, Venezuela, where prices rise tens of thousands of percent per month, if not more, even millions of percent per month. Could you imagine your loaf of bread going from a dollar to a million dollars just within a year? Because that has happened before. And it just creates this unrealistic confusion that can somehow happen when the Fed or whatever central bank it is starts printing money to monetize debt and get through its problems rather than allowing the economy to produce its way out of it and going through hard times like it should. This this isn't really making anything better. It's just creating this illusion that things are better. It's not better. We have many people who are unemployed and we have this massive spike in job loss. We have an economy that's only running on debt and monetizing that debt. That's not good for our future outlook. Maybe some of this money will be invested smartly into actually producing new things and getting people off their feet. Some of that definitely will, but a lot of it is not. And a lot of it's really just being used to sort of tread water in a place that we really shouldn't be in in the first place. We're pretending like the Fed has a lot more power to prop things up than it does. Because again, if it really did, why aren't we doing this during good times as well? Why don't we just print everything, take out massive debt, just keep doing this because we can print it away. If that was true, we would have been doing this a long time ago. But that's not how it works, unfortunately. If it was that easy, that would be fantastic. Some people do think it's that easy because they haven't really looked at this, how this works, how quantitative easing actually works. It's really an illusion. And quantitative easing is, is why it's so important to be invested in assets. Those assets can be a number of things, but anything that would generally rise with inflation, something that actually holds some sort of value. Cash itself only holds the value that we say it does, and that value goes down every day that there's new money being printed. So holding cash, if we can call it an investment, which it 
really isn't. It's not investing. That's the whole point. It might actually be a significantly worse investment or significantly worse strategy than almost anything else in these upcoming years as if, if the Fed keeps this pace up and doesn't slow it down and doesn't unwind. It might be one of the worst things possible because there's so much money being printed Every single dollar becomes increasingly less valuable because there's more of them. There's no scarcity. We're just printing them to finance whatever. That doesn't create value. All that does is devalue the current dollar. So holding dollars and not parking it in something that holds value. A lot of investors are going to gold right now because you can't produce more gold. You can mine it, of course, but you can't just print trillions of dollars of gold out of thin air you have to mine it which is much slower and there is a finite amount of gold theoretically so there's a limit there bitcoin is another one that tries to mimic the property of gold where you can't just create a ton of it yes all currency is inherently arbitrary to some extent we do assign it value even gold how much value of gold is its intrinsic value probably not much it can be used like on electronics and in some industrials but Really, a lot of the value is because we say it has value. But it doesn't have the property of fiat currency where we can just create a ton of it without any sort of limit. We can create as much dollar, we can create as many dollars as the printers will allow until they break and we run out of all ink on the earth and we can't produce anymore because we're drowning in paper dollars and we can't even see the sun anymore. That obviously is our limit for quantitative easing. You don't have that with gold and other finite sort of stores of value. Even parking money in, I wouldn't say bonds because a lot of that is fixed value, but parking it in something like a stock, which will see its revenue rise with inflation as well. So the stock value would rise as well. I shouldn't say the value. The stock price will rise as well. The value won't change. If nothing happened, the value of the stock wouldn't actually change. The only thing that would change would be the price of the stock with inflation so at least you could store your money there, and by the time that whatever this inflationary period ends, if it ever does, you could liquidate and you'd still have that value there at the end. Same goes for gold and any other any other true asset that can hold its value. I'm not I'm not gonna say that there's any one strategy that's the best, other than that if you buy assets, you should protect yourself against inflation. And that's assuming inflation continues, because the value of that asset shouldn't change with inflation. The only thing that changes is its price. Whereas if you hold dollars, the value of that dollar does change and it goes in the negative because there are more dollars like it out there. It's just, it's basically just economies of scale. As you get more dollars, they become less scarce. It's easier to find dollars. It's not special to have one dollar. It's not as special as it is to have one dollar from before because there's many more of them out there. So the value of the dollar decreases or whatever fiat currency you happen to be talking about since there's a lot of them if you can't tell i'm a little worried about the direction that the fed and really the u.s government is heading right now i see why they would want to do that it's very politically unpalatable to unwind the balance sheet to not go into more massive debt when people are hurting because people are always hurting people are really hurting when we have these quarantines and those sorts of things but we're talking about a second stimulus permanent checks with no tax revenue to actually pay for them. It's one thing to have solid welfare programs. It's another to 
just use debt to pay for everything. Because you can theoretically pay for programs with tax revenue if it's done correctly. The problem is the incentives are not there for many politicians to actually be responsible because every party wants to give more and take less from its voters because that's obviously the most politically palatable strategy to take. You take a strategy which gives your people stuff now because people have very short attention spans and do not look at the future consequences of many of their actions. It's just how many human beings are. It's And if you wanted to keep your seat in the House or the Senate or become president, it doesn't, it's not going to look very good when you tell all of your constituents that you're raising taxes and you're cutting spending. That doesn't look very good. It makes everyone's quality of life worse because you're going to see a lot of people, because people are going to be losing money that they would have had. They would have had their money given to them via, via debt spending or whatever it is. And now they have to give up more money via taxes. Neither of those things are good in a voter's eyes. But it's really what we're going to be needing sometime very soon, if not right now. Because monetizing the debt is not a feasible strategy for the long run. And maybe even the short run if we run into serious price instability when it comes to just prices rising out of control. Which could happen sooner rather than later. Who knows? Well, anyways, I hope I've sufficiently scared you. If I haven't, then great. Maybe you've heard this sort of thing before, but I hope it at least gives you a new perspective on what the government's doing, how the Fed works, and kind of what the drawbacks of something like quantitative easing are. If, if I've given you a new perspective, that's all I can really ask for. Whether you agree with me, that's totally up for you to decide. And if you like what I say, that's great. If you don't like what I say, that's also great. Thank you for listening through the whole thing. And definitely check out some of my other content on my website and on YouTube. Since there's a lot going on right now, I'm covering a lot of different things. And I'd love to get your perspective as well. Definitely go down to the comments if you're on YouTube or send me an email. You can contact me through my website. I'd be happy to get a discussion going. And I'd love to get your perspective as well since I'm always looking for new perspectives. And that's how I, that's how we all create our own perspectives. You borrow things from other people and kind of mash it together to form your own sort of lens on the world. And also be sure to leave a review on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already, leave a like and all that good stuff. But until next time, take care. Thanks for listening to The Jack Duffley Show. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss any new episodes. For more content on personal finance, real estate, and other topics, check out jackduffley.com.